Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, your in-depth look at anything and anything related to Yellow Jacket Athletics with our production engineer, Elliot Sweary. The Big Sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver. And uh, the good times that we did not have last week on this program when uh, teams were limping to a 1-8 and record, um, I'm not sure they got a whole lot better last week, Matt. It was uh, a few more wins in there, but it was still another... Tough, tough week for the black and gold. It was. It was a tough week. Uh, a few more losses in there. Uh, unfortunately, we'll go over all those in just a moment here. But uh, I will say this. My highlight of my week was being able to work alongside you on the women's <laughs> game. That was fine. Because we hadn't done a game in how long was that? It, it's been a few years, you know, since we yeah, we, just, we stopped doing high school games. Yeah, the last so game we did probably... together was a women's. Uh, uh, well, we did a couple of women's games for UMD, I know. But mm-hmm. um, I don't think we've done. It's, it's probably, we did a baseball game in there a few years back together. But it's probably been four years. Yeah, probably has been. And that was a time when I was the play-by-play and you were the color. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah, that was, that we, that game was a played at where at. That was the Bethel doubleheader, I think, wasn't it? No, I want to say, I want to say it was Morris was the one that we did on the air. Okay. Because um, we did the Bethel game. But and that then, was, it was at where at. Yeah. Okay. That I can remember. I remember it was pretty cold that day too. I think we were, it, it started out warm, but then we got cold. Yeah. Yeah. Which is typical for baseball season here, which is right, yeah, yeah. just around the corner. Right, it is. Just it around is. the corner. They're they're practicing and they got games at US Bank here coming up right. uh shortly. So Well yeah. maybe we can get a, a couple more baseball games. If things break the right way, we can do another super broadcast. There. I would I would like to do that. I would like to be able to get enough bodies in place to cover all of our positions. That need to be covered, so we could get back on the air. And, well, because when you when you do, do the baseball that. softball, that's a long day if you're just doing it yourself. And so softball, not as much because those games move right, so quickly. Yeah. But uh, you know, baseballs can be a slog. Yeah, yeah, those exactly. can be long so, days. Yeah, you know, so. and it's always nice to have a yeah because another I mean, another voice to work with when you're doing a, a long marathon like that. Well, and you and I typically work solo, but mm-hmm. um, you know, like you said, when you're doing an eight hour day of broadcasting, yeah, you know it. it it, it's a long day when you're doing it by yourself. So. You know, and I, I was talking with uh, a little bit this week with Brian Prudhomme, too, who does everything. He does everything, yeah. He, he calls all kinds of sports. Uh, another fine UWS alum, and, you know, I'll give him a plug for the Northland Sports page that they do on, on Saturday mornings on the fan. But he, uh, he, he was talking about how much material you have to have and how much of the, the – just the random facts and useless knowledge you have to have when it comes to baseball because oh, yeah. there's a lot of time you have to fill. There is. There is. Because we, we we got to talking about difficulty in, in, in the different sports. And, you know, I, I've always said one of the reasons hockey is a difficult game to broadcast is because it can go for long stretches without a stoppage. Every other sport has a stoppage every right. few seconds, basically. And... In hockey, substitutions happen any time. They don't right. happen during a stoppage. So you're constantly having to be on top of everybody that's right. that's yeah. within the play. And then we, we shifted into baseball a little bit and the difficulty there because of all the, the right. downtime that you have. Well, and that's, like for me, one of the problems, difficulties with basketball, especially on the radio, there's a ton of numbers flying all the time because mm-hmm. you've got foul numbers. You've got the number of the player, how many points he has, how many rebounds he has, shot clock, game clock. Right. You know, guys coming in and out, you know. It's like code. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it is. It's like a lot of numbers, and you're constantly cycling through those numbers. I was thinking about that the other day when I was doing a game, and I was like, wow, it's amazing how many numbers I have to spout out mm-hmm. so that everybody's up to date on everything that's happening. Right. <laughs> you know, like. Well, and you, you want to be careful, too, because there's stuff that's relevant, but you don't want to have so many 
statistics and so many numbers that you're just right regurgitating out numbers for the sake of getting numbers out right. there. You yeah, know, you exactly. Have to, you have to be able a time to and a place to, to clarify all what it is exactly and, that you're looking and, and at. And why it's important. Right. Yeah. And then possession arrow and how many fouls do they have to give? What's the, you know, in the men's game, what's the bonus versus the double bonus mm-hmm. and the women's game, there is no, you know, one and one. So there's only, you know, the five foul limit. And then, you know, differentiate that. How much time's on the shot clock? How much time is there difference between shot clock and game clock in the last minute? That's right. a big thing. You know, it's just, so there's a lot of like, every sport has its own thing. Volleyball's tough too because the action happens so fast. Yeah. You know. You've got to be a good in-game editor for that because yeah. you you can't describe everything that happens. No. No, and that's one of the things I've learned with volleyball is that you, you can't really um do every single thing. Especially on radio. Mm-hmm. It's tough because it's it, you you just have to kind of break it down uh as as best you can. Right. Because also volleyball, I mean, you get two timeouts per set. But when those plays are happening after plays over, they get back and they and they serve that thing like within two seconds yep. of what just happened. And if you're trying to explain what just happened, then it bleeds over into the next play. And you know, and then those long rallies, that's really crazy. Like there's a lot of things happening. You know, so every sport has its own thing. Yep. But baseball, yeah, it's there's so much more dead time to it. Right. That you do have to kind of do some more research into like the players and the coaches, and if you have knowledge of previous meetings and. Even you know unique circumstances. Last time you talked more about the weather because it does have an impact, right? You know stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean it's very different, and you know yeah, baseball can be a slog if it's if it's a long, especially if you got two a doubleheader. It, it, like one game is one thing, but two games is you know, and if you've got a doubleheader and maybe the pitchers aren't quite on, right? It, you it, know, and you're you're walking a lot of guys and, and all a lot of trips to the mound, and yeah, yeah, those those games can take a while. So yeah, we're uh, just around the corner from that, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> thankfully though, like I will say this, we have more fun up in the in the press box. I mean, as a group, yeah, <laughs> during those games because you have to, you have to, yeah. yeah it, just... You know, I've 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 always enjoyed the fact that. We we take the job seriously. We do, you know, yep. with you know whether it's the broadcast piece or statting it or whatever. You take the job seriously, but at the same time, you have to have fun with this, right? Yeah, and you you have to be able to be in that game environment and still allow your student workers and everybody who's in the press box to have a good time, right? Because yeah. if they don't, they're not going to want to work for you. They're not going to want to come back, right? Yeah, and so I, I've always enjoyed the fact that we are able to we're serious when we have to be right but we also have a pretty good time yeah no matter the sport that we're doing we 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 have a good time at the scores table in basketball and volleyball right you know we we have a good time in the press box i remember i said something last year and it was i think everybody <laughs> laughed because it was during a softball game and i said something to the effect because i couldn't figure out where the strike zone was anymore because they kept moving from inning to inning and i was like Here's a pitch, and I thought it was a strike, and he called it a ball, and then there was a ball, and he called a strike, and I said something to the effect of, I can't figure out where the strike zone is right now. And everybody in the in the booth started laughing <laughs> because we were all kind of in the same boat because right. after each pitch, we're all looking at each other the same way, and it's like, okay. It had that whole naked, well, you were there, yeah, naked <laughs> gun Frank Drebin thing where he the first pitch, and everybody's kind of waiting for him, and he has the strike, question right. mark? Yeah, exactly. That's what we were kind of like with every pitch going, strike? Yeah, is that a strike or is it? I don't know where the strike zone is. It keeps moving. You know, but it's much more. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is like those broadcasts are much more collaborative, yep. and we're much more interactive in the press box, yeah, than we are with other sports, just because it's you know, because we're we're all there right. all day, right? And the action, you know, because and and for those of you who don't know, the press boxes 
at softball and, and baseball are pretty tight. Yeah, you're, you're stacked up on top of each other yeah. pretty much. So if I say something or you say something, everyone's going to hear it. Yeah. Because it's just, there's nowhere to go. Like, there's barely any, even any elbow room. You know? Like well, I go back to Melissa Fracker, who last year was watching back one of their games, and she could pick me up. I wasn't on the air. You were. Yeah. But she could pick me up on, on the mic there going, why wouldn't you steal right here? <laughs> it's a perfect opportunity. Yeah. yeah. You know, this, this just makes sense to, to send the runner right here. And she came down the hall the next day and she goes, yeah, I watched the game back and I heard you in the background. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's what's kind of cool about those two sports is that it's a little bit more, I don't want to say informal. I just want to say that, that like the circumstance is different. The it's context it's is a different. little more relaxed. It's a little more relaxed and we have a good time with it up there. Absolutely. Especially when we're freezing up there. Yeah. Which happens a lot. But All the time. Yeah. All but, the time. Yeah. But <laughs> so, at any rate, we're anyway. freezing outside today. It's back below zero this morning. So another one of these uh, frigid February days that we're in the midst of. But it's getting toward the end of February. We're yes. in the second half of the month now, which means postseason is in uh, the men's hockey team's case here and in everybody else's case on the horizon. Right. Yep. So uh, still a lot of jockeying for position has happened over will happen this week and also happened last week. Right, exactly. And we'll jump right Let's into it. Let's dive now. into it. Let's dive into it. Uh, women's hockey now 7-12-1 overall, 2-4-0-1 in the WIAC. I know it's kind of confusing for those of you who aren't, you know, up on, on how they're deciding things in the WIAC on the women's side this year. It all makes sense when you break it down, but it'll take too long to do right now. But anyway, that's their record right now in the conference. Uh, they lost two of three games last week, splitting two games with UW Stevens Point. Defeating the Pointers 4-2 on Friday night before falling to the Pointers in the return matchup 3-1 on Saturday. Both those games are played at uh, Westman Arena, by the way. In fact, all three of their games are played at Westman Arena. UWS then closed out the week by falling to UW-Eau Claire 4-0 on Sunday. That was the game that we were referencing earlier, where you had the super broadcast between myself and Mr. Garver here. Uh, all three games, again, at Westman Arena. UWS, thankfully for them, by the way, also had a non-conference game scheduled against uh, Bethel that was for yesterday canceled due to COVID-19. And I don't think anybody... Was sad to see that game get canceled, and it's no, and yeah. I, I mean, it, it, there obviously would have been a, a day off in there, you know, between Sunday and Wednesday. Right, they still would have had to get a day of practice in there. But I, I think, based on just the third period on Sunday, and and seeing the fatigue set in there, yeah, you know, for this team that they played a lot of games. They did. They you know they played the, a lot of games. They were exhausted by yeah. You, you could see they were tired. Yeah, out. and they you know what they actually played two really good periods of hockey in mm-hmm. that game. They did. They were only down two nothing on two last second goals. Yep. Last minute goals, I should say. Yep. But yeah, I mean it was a uh, yeah. It, it, you could just I felt bad for them because they'd actually played forty minutes of really good hockey. Right. Already on heavy legs, and then yep. By the third period, it just the the tank ran empty, and they just didn't have anything left. Yep. Um. Against the Pointers on Friday, UWS got goals from Jamie Davison, Jenna Bufflin, Gabby Andriachi, and also Cora Coase, while Mackenzie Whalen finished with, finished with 28 saves. Against the Pointers in the rematch on Saturday, the Yellow Jackets' long goal came from Jenna Bufflin on the power play in the third period, while Whalen finished with 21 more saves for the Yellow Jackets. And then against the Blue Golds on Sunday, freshman Molly Black got the starting goal and made 27 stops for the Yellow Jackets in that loss. So... Uh, she was pretty good though. I thought she played a pretty good game for the most part. You know, there really wasn't much she could do on three of the four goals for sure. So, um, so the freshman gets the start there and takes the, the loss with 27 saves and goal. Men, meanwhile, men's hockey now 13, 10, and two. That's how they finished the regular season. Six, six, and one in the Wyatt. They split their final two regular season games on Friday and Saturday, falling to UW Stout six to four on Friday at Westman Arena before rebounding with a five-two win over the Blue Devils in the rematch. 
That game was played on Saturday at the Finetti, Finetti Community Center in Menominee. On Friday, UWS got two goals from Gavin Rasmussen along with additional tallies from Colton Bates and Artur Turchiev. Landon Pavlison started in goal and played the first 30 minutes and 12 seconds in goal while making 12 saves. And then Nick Althaus came in and re- replaced Pavlison in the second period and played the final 28-58 and finished with eight saves. And it sounded like that game got away from the Yellow Jackets in the second period. Those five goals kind of uh, – it was kind of a cascade effect there. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a disappointing second period because they came out and played pretty well to start the game, and the first period wasn't bad, and they came out and played real well in the third period. You know, they won the third period. Right. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, there that stretch of probably about ten to twelve minutes in the second period. Whew. That was a rough go. Yeah. Yeah. It was as bad as it got, and yeah, the the wheels just fell off. So. And yeah. it's, it's a. I mean, you're down five one. After two, you yeah. know, it's just it's way too big a hole to dig out of. Yeah, that's a, way too big a hole. Yeah, four goals to make up in twenty minutes. That's uh, that's some steep territory. Yeah, try traverse and uh, yeah. Unfortunately, they closed out the home uh, portion of the schedule with a six four loss. But then they came back on Saturday. UWS got goals from Troy McTavish, Chad Lopez, Zach Bannister, Dylan Johnson, and Jordan Martin. While Landon Pavlison finished with thirty saves and goal in that five two win in the rematch down in Menominee, and that kind of sets the stage for hopefully a nice. Uh, Return matchup between those two in the playoffs. That's the uh, playoff matchups that uh, Mr. Gar was referencing um, earlier on. But uh, nice rebound win for them. Yeah, you know, and it, it was uh, – they, they played well. They played well. And they the they had guys score in that game that had to score. Okay. You know, right, yeah. Troy McTavish hadn't scored since the first Eau Claire game, which I think was 20 games ago. Right, yeah. He's had some chances in there, but he's also had some horrible luck. Yeah, and he he needed to score a goal. Yeah, Chad Lopez has struggled to score goals here most of the season, which is weird because he came in on a red hot streak to start he, the year. He was on fire. I mean, he scored four goals in the first three games, and he finished the regular season with eight. Yeah, you know, so that's twenty four goals in twenty two right. games. You know, Dylan Johnson had has struggled to find the net lately. Only scored a couple goals in the last dozen games or so. So it's been. The guys who needed to score some goals and get some points in this one did. Right. So hopefully that, hopefully they're getting healthy in the figurative sense and can can carry that over into the postseason. Well, also nice them. that they had five different goal scorers too. Correct. You're not getting it all from one guy, so right. that's good. Yep. Um, and that's what you want hitting mm-hmm. in the tournament. And we'll talk more about that YAC tournament, of course, coming up here as the podcast moves forward. Women's basketball now five and seventeen overall, four and eight in the UMAC. They've lost three games in the last week. Their overall losing streak now reaching five straights, so it's a tough run of luck here for Coach Zach Otto Fisher and the mm-hmm. Yellow Jackets. Fellow North Central 47-44 to on Friday, and then also lost Northwestern 53-41 to on Saturday. Both games at the Mertz and Superior before falling to Finlandia in non-conference action. Their final non-conference game of the campaign, 75-51 on Tuesday in Hancock, Michigan. Against North Central, UWS Committed 22 turnovers and shot just 34% for the game. Elise Best and then the freshman was alone. Yellow Jacket, the scoring double figures of 14 points. She went four for five from three-point range, and some of those were really deep. Yeah. So she had a nice game, but just not enough offense for the Yellow Jackets in that game. Against Northwestern, UWS only trailed by two after three before the Eagles uh, put the Yellow Jackets away in the fourth quarter with a 16-6 burst. Page Service had 12 points for the Yellow Jackets in that contest. Brianna O'Donnell in her final home game as the Yellow Jackets scored 10 points because that was senior day. For UWS and against Finlandia, UWS got down 41 to 27 at the half, and were outscored by 10 in the second half to take the loss. Allie Zimmer had 11 points off the bench for the Yellow Jackets. She went three for four from the field, and um, yeah, it's been a rough stretch. 
for the women's basketball team. There's just no other way of getting around it. Yep. Um, tough year. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been a tough year. year. It's, it's been a difficult year. You know, they could have probably won that, definitely could have won that game on Friday against North Central. If they would have picked up their energy a little bit more in the fourth quarter, they maybe wouldn't have been able to steal one against Northwestern as mm-hmm. well. But right now they're just young, and there's a lot of pieces that are missing. Uh, they're missing two or three of their top players uh, due, to, due to more COVID-19 protocols on the weekend. And, yeah, it's just been a very uneven year, and it's been it's been a, a rough grind yep. for uh, Zach Otto Fisher and the ladies. So um, they've got two more games to play, but uh, and then the UMAC tournament. But, uh, yeah, it's been a rough go mm-hmm. overall for for the ladies. Same thing with the men. Uh, the men now are singing eight and fifteen overall, four and eight in UMAC as well. They lost their last two home games of the season this past weekend, falling to North Central seventy to fifty six on Friday before falling to Northwestern seventy seven to sixty two. Both games play at the Mertz against North Central. UWS was down by nine at the break and were outscored by five after halftime. Joseph Fahrenholtz had a nice game for the Jackets. He had eighteen points, nine rebounds. He went went eight for ten from the field, so he had a nice game. Xavier Patterson had thirteen points for the Yellow Jackets as well. Meanwhile, against Northwestern, the Jackets. Very similar circumstances to the game against North Central. Down by 11 at the half, 39-28. And then the Eagles went on. They outscored the Yellow Jackets by four in the second half at 38-34. Joey Barker had 12 points. He had a nice game for the Jackets while Mason Ackley had 11. And the men are, are also, I think, at that grind stage of the year. Um, you know, and this group has not played. This is the longest season that they've had as a group together yeah. since they first got together. Right. So I think there is a bit of a grind issue going on right now. And, uh, they also have two more regular season games to go before they go in the UMAC Conference Tournament. Unfortunately, neither team will be at home. Correct. So uh, they'll be on the road for the UMAC Tournament. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that it's – there's some heavy legs out there, and I and I think the players are a little bit weary right now. Mm-hmm. So that's just that's my, would be my assessment in just watching them both play. Sure. You know, the energy's a little bit down right now. And it happens this time of year. Yeah, it does. It <laughs> you does. know, if you're, if you're on a roll and you're winning games – Energy stays high. It, it, it hides some of that. Yeah, exactly. You know, but it's that time of year where you just you get worn down. Yep. It's a long year. Yep, it is. It's a very long year. Uh, men's and women's indoor track and field. Both teams hosted the Midday Classic at Lady of Fithering Fieldhouse in Superior on Saturday, and there was a, a nice ceremony before that happened for uh, former Yellow Jacket athlete and also assistant coach Sam Midday, who tragically died uh, earlier on or, I guess, late in, in 2021. December. Yeah. yeah um, emotional day for everybody. I was not there. I was unfortunately taken away by other work duties, but uh, – I imagine that was a pretty emotional scene there. It was a very emotional scene, you yeah. know, and it was, uh, it's one thing to have somebody stand there and read right. scripted words and everything. Um, but what they did at the very end of the ceremony, because they basically, there, there's always a breakdown, right? Yeah. you know, at the, at the end of the warm up period, if however you want to call it in track and field. And Sam kind of was the one who started. The breakdown with yeah. the breakdown with the throwers, and then it it morphed into everybody on the team. But he was essentially the one who created that breakdown, and so they did the breakdown. And instead of saying jackets on three, they say Sam on three. But you had spectators, competitors from other schools, coaches all come and be a part of that breakdown. Oh, nice, cool. And that was that was very a very cool thing to see, but pretty emotional too. Yeah, I can imagine there was a, there were. Not too many dry eyes in the house, no, I don't think, at that no. point. Um, and thankfully, both teams performed well. Very well. So that was a, a, a nice day. tribute to Sam. And, Absolutely. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, wherever his spirit may be, mm-hmm. that he was able to look down. Um, especially on the men's side. Uh, the men were led by Derek Moe, Tyler Finger, and Errol Foster, who won the 5,000 meters, 1,000 meters, and 60-meter hurdles, excuse me, respectively. The 4-by-200-meter relay team of Ian Matheson, Stephen Pearson, Will Shore, and Ethan Westemayer also took first place in their event, Gage Dankwish, Finished second in the shot put and weight throw, while David Collins placed third in the, in the mile run. So, 
Good showings for the Yellow Jackets across the board on the men's side. Mm-hmm. And so that was nice to see. Women were paced by Nicole Koski, who won the 5,000 meters. Jess Newman and Kenzie Kreuzer placed first and second in the 200-meter hurdles. Gianna Scanlon, Alexa DiCavedo, and Kasha Hewlett, meanwhile, finished second in the 3,000 meters long jump and weight throw, respectively. So some really nice performances by the Yellow Jackets as Very well. Nice. That's nice to see. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they so. did a good job. And based on those performances, Derek Moe, though, is on quite a run here. Mm-hmm. Third straight week, he was named a UMAC Men's Track Athlete of the Week for the uh, 2022 campaign. So uh, congratulations, Derek Moe. He's having a heck of a senior year here. He is. You know, quite a run. That's a nice pun. Good job. <laughs> quite a run <laughs> while running. Yes. <laughs> and winning awards. So uh, congratulations to nice performances from them. And last but not least, men's and women's tennis. Both played Bethel this weekend. Men are now 0-2 on the campaign. Women are 1-3. Uh, both teams fell to the Royals. Men lost 7-2, while the women fell 9-0. Um, the men got singles wins from Michael James, who defeated the Royals. Eric Becker's 6-4, 6-4, number one singles, while Andre Luis picked up a 7-6, 7-6 win over Jacob's, or Bethel's, excuse me, Jacob Lacaria at uh, number three singles. As a result of his win, Michael James was named UMAC Men's Tennis Player of the Week for the first time this year, so congratulations to him. So that's what happened last week. Uh, like I said, a couple more victories in there, but still kind of a tough road here. Still, yep, still trying to dig out of that hole a little bit there. Yep, so, exactly. Yeah, so, so you know, it's uh, it's the, the dog days of the winter sports it season. Is. And it's been it a, is. It's been a difficult stretch, and I, I feel for those teams because it definitely hasn't unfolded the way they wanted it. No, to. no, both uh, – I know for a fact both basketball teams wanted to do better than they have, uh, you know, and – I had a very frank conversation with Greg Polkowski, men's basketball coach, and he said, you know, we, we're we not where we want to be, and I've, we've made it pretty clear. And if you talk to Zach Otto Fisher, he'll tell you the same thing. Yep. We just need to get better. And uh, these are these days where you have to just keep pushing through and, and try to make that breakthrough and just, you know, strive to keep moving upwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've got a couple games left to do that, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 been a, it's been a rough couple of weeks here. And I, you know, they probably both feel that they've left some games on the table this year. And I think uh, Coach Rich McKenna will say the same thing that he felt his team has has left some games on the table this season as well. And I'm I'm pretty confident he's going to say something to that effect with us as we move into the round table segment that'll come up right after this break. You're listening to Eye of the Swarm. the sports page are we sure we're ready for this expansion of course we're ready for it it's a great idea let's celebrate with a vacation i'm thinking (laughs) hawaii we're ready for you is it okay if my friend comes with of course imagination's always welcome here bring us your best ideas let's see how we can help national bank of commerce imagination's welcome We're back on Eye of the Swarm. It's time now for our round ta- table segment, and we are happy to be joined by the playoff-bound Yellow Jacket men's hockey coach, Rich McKenna, along with senior Troy McTavish, who got himself off the schneid last Saturday and snapped a, I believe, 20-game goal drought. Not wow, to, right after. Wow. I'm going right after, yeah. Right into it. <laughs> yeah, I was counting. <laughs> we, was, but we tried everything. We tried everything. We tried yeah. everything. You rubbed the head for luck one night, and yeah, you he know, rubbed your head for luck. He did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He did a little like like Kramer. Like, did you we, ever watch Fraser? 
Yeah. Yeah, where the, the episode with the Sonics where the, mm-hmm. the player has to come over and rub Niles' head every day before. We, he, we <laughs> gave that a shot down at point mm-hmm. and lost 8-3, so we abandoned that very quickly yeah. afterwards. But Your head is not lucky. Not lucky out. at yeah. all. But at, at any rate, you know, he, he got one on Saturday, so now he's got a, he's got a goal-scoring streak going. Oh. And that's how that's how we're going to look at it. That's where I was going. Okay, perfect. With it, so I, mean, I didn't mean to go on the the offensive right away. No, but, that's fine. Uh, at any rate, it's playoff time now. You know, I at one point I wasn't sure we were going to get twenty five games in. Yet every single regular season game was played, and uh, I feel like we were just coming back and playing in the tournament. Now all of a sudden it's playoff time. So talk about a season that went really fast. Yeah, it was a lot different, obviously from from last year to this year. Um, I think uh, second half kind of really sped up on us quickly and then got really slow too. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, playoffs are here. It's a new season. Everything you've done in uh, in the regular season means nothing and it's a brand new year here. I felt like part of it too, may, it might have moved so quickly because last year was so truncated and just was just such a, a weird year that it everything was was flying a little bit faster but it, well, from a player standpoint did you feel the same thing yeah last year was definitely um different we kind of didn't know what was going to happen off the start and then obviously getting that long break at christmas we all got to go home for a month it was a little bit uh different than what you're used to and then this year yeah i think as soon as we came back from christmas we weren't uh expecting things to move as fast as they did and you know what here we are and now we're yeah moving into playoffs so like rich said nothing really matters what we did before so we're just kind of focused on the next uh next game here this weekend let's talk about it a little though even though it doesn't matter anymore um well let's let's talk a little bit about the regular season up and down roller coaster ride you know uh a, a lot of streaky play in there whether it was you know the beginning of the year where it was win one lose one good game lousy game into winning streak, into losing streak. I mean, it really was a a back and forth, up and down year, wasn't it? Yeah, we've pretty we pretty much hit every single uh, flow of a season you can go through. Um, you know, it was when you look back on the regular season. I think uh, you know, there's a lot of things to be proud of, uh, but also there was some. We, we I think we left a decent amount on the table. Beginning of the year, it was. Like you said, win one, lose one, uh, and w- the ones that we lost in the beginning of the year, I think, were absolutely detrimental because they weren't really good teams. And then, um, and then we kind of went on it. I I don't know, eight was it eight games? The unbeaten streak, I think, was nine. Eight or nine game heater, nine. Uh, which was good. And then, then we kind of injuries. I think you know, not making excuses. Injuries started to really take a toll. I think we were able to survive it in the first half, uh, especially in the first half, too, when we, we only had three home games, um, which hopefully we could look back upon and because we'll be on the road the entire playoffs here. Um, but then uh, I think injuries started to take a toll, not really knowing who's, who's going to be actually available uh, or when, and then some significant injuries to some – uh, significant players, um, and then you compound that with, you know, I thought some of our losses that we had, we played good enough to win, but then you weren't getting bounces. Um, maybe we weren't earning them, 
uh, hockey gods I thought were kind of cruel to us <laughs> at times here this season. And then, uh, you know, and then we had a pretty good win uh, last Saturday night down at Stout. Um, you know, in a normal year, if you look at it back at juniors or whatever, you're, you're 500 on the road and we're, you know, we're on 750 at home. Like, that's, that's a pretty good season. But with only 25 games, I think we've left a lot on the table. I don't think there's any coincidence to you brought up the injuries. I don't think there's any coincidence that 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 streak, the losing streak toward the end happened when the the injuries were just multiplying. I mean, it it it, it felt like you couldn't wake up in the morning without somebody new getting hurt. I think. I mean, I don't know. We talked about it, Troy. We without McLean, who wasn't cleared until January twenty fifth, twenty seventh. So he wasn't cleared until January 27th. We're not even counting his games. Uh, we've had north of 50, 50, 60 man games lost to injury this year. And I, that's, it is what it is. I think it's also a little bit of the style of game that we play and the lack of um, kind of gym time that we were able to get leading up to this season. Guys going home, not having gyms uh, available to them. Uh, due to restrictions and, and everything else. And when we came back, we kind of got on got on the ice uh, and kind of focused on that part more than maybe kind of going old school and pushing some weight. So um, those are things you look back, you would change. But I think, yeah, it's, you know, everyone on our team is very important to us from the fifth line guy to the, to the eighth defenseman and to the third string goalie. And when guys are going down and you're replacing them with other guys and then guys come back, then they get re-injured again. It, 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 it was really hard to kind of get into a rhythm. Uh, and I'd say there was probably 10, I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, 10, 15 game stretch where guys that were in the lineup couldn't play the next night. So it was... It was a lot, but it is what it is. We have a job to do here now. Uh, looking forward to playing meaningful games now. It's kill or be killed now, and hopefully we can uh, end some seasons here. The gym piece is something I never really thought about until you had brought it up and going, oh, yeah, that's that's true. Like you talked about how the junior class hasn't had a normal spring semester here or anything like that. Do you? How big of a role do you think that played of just not being able to to train normally? Yeah, I think, um, well, for myself, I'm a senior now, and I've only had one spring here at UWS for my four years. So it's kind of my first spring, we really hit the gym hard. And then obviously in the fall, too, we hit the gym hard that year. Um, and then just with, you know, COVID and stuff like that, it's kind of made everyone's plans uh, look a little bit different, especially, um, you know, for myself, we – couldn't go to gyms uh, in the summer even, like nothing was open. So um, a lot of guys were in tough situations where they're having to kind of make shift stuff out of, you know, what they what they had at home. Um, for me, it was, I was lucky. We were able to get a home gym in my basement for my brothers and I. So we kind of lucked out that way. But I think that definitely has a, has a role in kind of maybe guys uh, not being – able to be as durable as they otherwise would be with a full uh, spring, fall, and then season. So I definitely think that'll that'll kind of work itself out now that I think this year we're going to have a normal spring. 
or the guys on the team will have a normal spring. Um, but so you're not going to take part. <laughs> No, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be Hopefully there. Hopefully, yeah. Troy will be off playing somewhere down south here. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think that definitely plays a role. And um, one thing I didn't really realize until this year was how, how in a college season you you don't you can't afford those um, you know dips and ups and downs. You you have to kind of limit the downs as much as possible. I mean, in my four years here, we've had a, we've had our fair share of downs, but this year I think our expectations were were high and. Uh, um, we, uh, it made me realize that you really can't have these ups and downs like you would be able to have in like a 50, 60 game season, like you do in juniors or wherever else. So that definitely, uh, brought a new perspective for me. Bob Emery, the old coach at Plattsburgh used to talk about this and he, he, it would drive him crazy because he'd look at his players and go, you guys only have to show up 25 days a year. How can you not show up? How can you come out and play an absolute dud like this when you have so few days where you really have to come and bring it? Very right. different from a, a pro season, a junior season, you you know, even a Division One season because they have 10 more games in their regular season, so you have a little bit more wiggle room there. And he used to just drive him insane that he'd have to really get after his guys sometimes about just being able to show up for 25 games. You know... I- you look at it and you could look at it in a lot of ways. I think, you know, take the injuries out of it, but you could keep the gym part involved. Like everyone dealt with it and there are teams that are getting it done. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I think this year too, coming off of, you know, looking back over Troy's four years, his, his class came in and, you know, as, as freshmen, uh, you know, they won 10 games, uh, Sophomore year, they ripped off 16, undefeated out of conference. Uh, junior year, win the WIAC, strictly conference. And then this year, I think there was different expectations amongst the group. but uh, And I think there were louder expectations from around, uh, around the locker room. But, you know, I thought they've done a good job of – the team has done a good job of handling it. I think uh, – I just think there was just something missing, and I think injuries did play a piece. And I think uh, really not being able to even ice our best lineup. I mean, once once Stones and Pacer went down, and Pacer went down later than Stones, but you know we we've never been able to ice our top li- our top line since um, since Christmas or before Christmas. So. Like our, our top lineup that I would see that I would think on uh, as of on paper, um, you know. So like, you know, with managing the the no AQ and all of that, and you know, okay, so you lose, you, you know, you win a game, you lose a game, you win two, you lose one. I mean, going into break, you know, we still had less than five losses going into break. We were we were there. I mean, granted, the two or three losses we had weren't good losses. Uh, but you can make up for that. And then I just think things started to compound. Uh, I think expect guys started to grip their sticks too much, expectations. Like, you know, going into, I mean, the last six games of the season, we were 12-5-2. and two. Like, we were, right, we were right there. And I think everything started to compound mentally. And I, in all honesty, I think going into playoffs where we're at uh, – probably puts us to where one it puts us where we deserve to be 
uh, on the road, uh, most importantly, but two, kind of puts us back into where we've always been in, like, Troy's senior class mentality of, like, okay, like, we're the underdog. Like, perfect. Don't don't bet on us. Like, that's, that's where we thrive. That's where we want to be. If you, you know, you better play your best game if you're going to beat us. Um, I think it changes the mentality, I think, a little bit. We're back to being the spoiler. Um, and I, I believe we have a lot of unfinished business to do here now. And, um, and we just want to take care of business. What does that role suit you? The underdog role? The spoiler role. Why does that suit this group? I think it's just kind of the way we've the way we came in as freshmen. We weren't expected to be, you know, anything special, and um, it's just kind of what we've known. And then I think just the expectations we had this year for ourselves, at least we were we were expected to not be the underdog. We expected ourselves to um, be able to play with anyone and outplay anyone if if we were on our A game. And like Coach said, we, we hadn't done that in a bunch of games this year. And in some games we did that we ended up losing. But um, like I said before, uh, it, it's tough to, to, to swallow kind of leaving stuff on the table. And at the same time, um, it's, a, it's kind of a different situation because we don't have that automatic qualifier. So you, you do put a little bit of pressure on yourself throughout games in the season where you know, maybe other programs that have that automatic qualifying bid can look at it like, hey, let's let's play our best through the season. Then, you know, in playoffs, that's when we really need to turn it on. But for for us, our expectation was to go through it the whole time. So um, as for the underdog role, I think it's just kind of we have a bunch of guys on our team that are willing to get, you know, kind of down and dirty. And um, we like trying to end other people's seasons and continue ours. I think that's kind of the big thing now that you know my last game could be uh saturday night and i think the guys on our team realize that and we we want to play here as long as we possibly can so um i think that's kind of why it suits us best and like i just want to reiterate too like it's a mentality that we that we not that we want but it's a mentality that we need to have right now you know this class that's graduating like they'll be the first class to graduate with a winning record like what they've done in their four years here like we we hit on every single guy and if you look at the guys that we brought in and the culture that they've built you know like Troy wore a letter Jordan Martin wore a letter uh CeeLo wore a letter Cuddy wore a letter Cappy wore a letter um I don't remember if Turch wore a letter or not in uh, up in Toronto. Um, who else am I forgetting here? Batesy. Batesy wore a letter. Uh, Will Blake wore a letter. Like, you know, I don't want to discredit what they've done over the course of four years into one year where we felt we we're taking the next step. We finished we finished in the WIAC championship. We've taken another step. Like plain and simple. Like these guys uh have done a tremendous job of turning this into a winning winning program again. Have we won everything we've wanted to win? No, but we're still a winning program. They're graduating with a winning record with winning only winning 10 games as a freshman. So like <laughs> they've done they've done a fantastic job of and not a lot of 
teams can say they've drastically changed in their program in one class in this class will all I this class will always be um to me remembered as the class that that kind of that kind of trailblazed you know and as long as we never look back and recruiting gets done and so on and so forth like you know and that that's the that's what I look back upon like you know we obviously have to replace a lot of guys here this year but like we can't I can't let all their work go go for nothing and and take a step backwards next year like we need to maintain our winning ways and you know six years ago when I took the job it was quite head scratching like how are we going to get back to winning ways here and you know I and the rest of the guys that come back next year owe it to this group to make sure we continue it that way. I like the fact that you brought up that idea of you know this group kind of paved the way for something bigger Um, and I'm going to harken back to something that um, women's soccer coach Elson Agro told me about progress and building something that is solid foundationally and winning. And she said this to me after that first trip to the uh, UMAC Conference Championship game when they were not expected to do anything. And then when they played Scholastica, and then the next year they, they won less games than they did the previous year. And she said something to me along the lines of, progress is never just linear. Just because you might have not reached your expectation within the team the next year doesn't mean you're still not progressing. And, you know, I think that that's a good example for, you know, this group. It's a solid group. It's a talented group. I've enjoyed watching them play for four years. I mean, I'm not their voice, so I don't know all the ins and outs. But, you know, progress should not be, I don't think, necessarily just judged on, well, we won the WIAC last year, and we didn't raise, you know, we didn't go where we wanted to go necessarily the next year. But it's that recognition that, yeah, we didn't go where we wanted to go, but we know that. So how do we keep pushing forward and keep going, you know, moving in the right direction, which is trajectory up versus trajectory down? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's sort of a patience thing. It's looking at it from a, from a macro point of view. I mean, you can break down each game what went wrong and each game that, you know, we lost during the year, whatever. Um, but there's an overall theme to it all, which is we're pushing to get better. You know, we're not because we lost a game eight three six one or whatever. Mm-hmm. We got blown out one night. We didn't sit back and say, "Well, you know, that was okay. We were fine with that." No, it wasn't okay, and it wasn't. We weren't fine with it. No, and like you know, in the beginning, like there was, you know, maybe maybe the freshman year, but certainly years before that, like you know, you were trying to find moral victories, like just something to help build upon. And more than know. once I got the pregame interview where he said, I'm tired of talking about moral victories. Yes. <laughs> right. But I mean that, but that's part of like the building process. You're looking for progression, right? Yep. You're not looking for necessarily, yeah, did it suck that we were getting beat a lot? Yeah, it did. But at the same time, guys realized it, that this is not where we want to be. Okay. This is where we are right now, but this is not where we're going to stay. We're going to keep pushing to go upward. And that's, you know, and I know, like you said, Rich, your first couple of years, a lot of moral victories in there. And nobody wants moral victories. Like, nobody goes into any game and says, wow, we were almost competitive. You know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, the idea is to push, keep going above that idea of, oh, we kept it close. You know, like, into, now we're winning some of these games. Or, you know what, we lost it, but we can do better than this. 
Well, think, you, oh, you get to look at you get to look in the mirror. Like the games that I feel we lost, it was like okay, like we didn't get beat. We beat ourselves. Like we yeah. knew going into games that we had, and going into playoffs, we know we have a lineup that can do it. Right. Like we just yeah. gotta with even with the injuries. Like we know we have a lineup that can do it. Like I would put our forward group against pretty much anybody, and on any given night, we can win it. So. I think one way to look at like progression is not necessarily just wins and losses from each season too. I think um, coming in from the start, we really harped on culture our first uh, first year here, and then we kind of started to, you know, if guys aren't doing stuff the right way, it's nip it in the butt there, and then you know move forward doing it the right way every time. And you know the the upperclassmen that we had when we were here really understood that. They kind of understood that the situation they were in we weren't you know expected to uh, be national contenders at the time but they really did a good job of pushing that culture to get to the point where hopefully this program you know is or almost is and then another thing is like I think it was our sophomore year we didn't come from behind and win a game one time like it was like as soon as we I still don't know how that happened. As, as soon as we went down one goal it was like you might as well write that game off because we can't come back and win and then I think this year now we've come back i i don't know how many three or four times and we've come back to win so i think looking at progression more than just wins and losses is is important too obviously the wins and losses make a difference but i think for the culture standpoint that's that's kind of a big thing we've been focusing on over the years here well that's like kind of where i was going with it is like you can look at the micro like Mm -hmm. the individual things that happen in each game and the circumstances that's all part of building the macro you know what i mean right like you you analyze what you did each night in an in an attempt to say okay what's the bigger picture going to be after what we do in response to this circumstance on the ice or in the locker room or whatever it is or you know this kind of streak that we're on how are we going to respond to this and how is it going to reflect on us going forward that's the thing you know because you can't just sit there and say well you know we've lost three or four in a row now and just say well you know our guys are starting to pack it in. No, that's not the point. The point is, is to just keep, you know, playing it the way that you have been, doing the right things, trusting the process as the old saying goes, and then once you come out of it, be stronger on the back end, and then put those kind of things in in, in perspective behind you. Yep. If that makes sense. I don't know yep, if I'm making absolutely. any sense here, but that makes does that make sense? sense? Yeah, it, it does. And I I think if you you go back to your early years here. There, there would have been the packing in, you know, and that's how things got to six, seven games without wins. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's it's been a dramatic change culture-wise, and it's probably the hardest thing to do. Culture is the foundation of everything, and it's um, it's really hard because it's always – like I talked to the guys this year too, like – this team will never be together again. Uh, just like every team you've been on while you're in your time here will never be the same again. Uh, you have one year with it. And every year, every season has a new DNA strand that's not like the years prior or the years past. That's why teams can go from last to first, first to last, and everything in between. So I think, you know, I... Culture is the foundation. You have to make sure you you embrace that 
and nurture it. Uh, and then from there, the little micro things that you're talking about within the process of playing, playing the game, how quickly you can overcome negatives and create more positives, stay on, stay positive, uh, will then also, it's a full circle, will then determine on the culture that you have. If you, if you, eventually it will come out, right? Like I thought last year, um, with going into the season with one expectation, come playoff time, there's a totally different, there's a change in everything. Our guys didn't, didn't cry poor me. They said, you know what? Screw it. Here we go. Uh, and they did, and they came from behind in the WAC championship game. Um, and people can say whatever they want. There wasn't a doubt in my mind we were losing to River Falls in the semifinals. Never thought for a second we would lose that game. I thought we were going to march right through them. Uh, you know, so here we are now, and I have that same – I have that same belief in this group. I told this group in the beginning of the year, I'll play anybody in the country with you guys. So we just have to take care of business. And I think our culture is better than it's ever been. Uh, even, quite frankly, I think our culture is almost too good. I believe we could have a little bit more bite amongst each other. To There's no separation in our room right now. Uh, every guy cares for one another. Every guy communicates with one another. Every guy's connected with one another. I actually wish there was a little bit of animosity because I think it would drive things up a little bit more. But that has to be on the on a positive way to where you can leave it. And I think that's the next step. Uh, whereas in years past, there's, you've had the Grand Canyon in our locker room. Guys that were brought in, guys that were inherited, uh, guys that were brought in that just didn't fit who we were, but we took a flyer on him or whatever and uh, to be getting weeded out by guys that knew they were going to be here and knew they believed in the process and, and all that stuff. So um, I think right now we just need to focus on ourselves, focus on our individual games here and and push the culture in a way to – make sure it stays in a winning culture. And then that would give us an opportunity to replace all these, all these knuckleheads that are going to leave here. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the tricky part, too, is you've got a massive senior class here. I mean, there's nine guys you're going to have to replace. So ten. Ten guys you're going to have to replace. So how the, the odds of bringing in a class of ten and hitting on all ten again is probably pretty slim. So how do you how do you navigate something like this? Because if progress isn't linear, it's almost assured that you're going to take a step back when you have that younger roster. Well, I think it's a yes and no. I think it's a couple of things. I think you know Troy going off and playing pro helps. I think Jordan Martin going off and playing playing pro helps. I think Turch going off hopefully uh, with everything that he's dealing with right now, uh, going off like before, like Turch will play pro. Is it? going to be next season or is it going to be right away right so like the more guys you do that the more substance you have to recruit to um you know and then it's also finding like what we kind of want to we also have a very unique 
opportunity right now to, if there's something we want to change systematic-wise, structurally, whatever, habit-wise, you can do it now because you're bringing in such an, you're bringing in an amount of guys that you're going to have to teach and we're going to have to, I'm looking forward to, to it because anything we want to change culturally, any changes that need to happen can happen next year. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have a championship to win. And ultimately that, that's what will sell it. When we, when we, if we have the honor to win the WIAC again, go back to back and then put Boots, CeeLo, Beatty, McTavish, Blake, Cuddy, if he can, right? Uh, Turch, uh, even Capriello, it doesn't matter. Like, put those guys SP or above, plus defending, two-time defending Wyack champs. Then it comes back to me and the staff to get the job done recruiting and I'll bet on that I'll bet on myself as much as possible let's talk a little bit about the playoffs yeah. starting tomorrow here now we're recording this on a Thursday so starting tomorrow on the road hmm. in uh, my least favorite building ever um, <laughs> everybody who who's listened to a broadcast <laughs> knows that <laughs> These are yeah, absolutely. That hate, building has been the topic I, of conversation for years. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the even before the senior class came along. So this is going back. Uh, it goes back to when, I, to when I yeah, played. I there. almost knocked myself out in my first year. <laughs> in that when building? We, yeah, we went because we used to be under the thing, under the oh, under the press box, under the press box, and when we knocked them out in playoffs on a face-off play from the defensive zone, and we put uh, Bruno Bursitis on, on the, the breakaway. Audi put. Bruno yep. on a breakaway. Best pass and he I actually ever made. scored, <laughs> which was even more impressive. I jumped and almost knocked myself out. <laughs> You're seeing stars after yeah, <laughs> after that one. <laughs> so yeah, it's a unique, uh, it's a unique building, I yeah, guess. It's, it's, I've it's never a, been inside of it. I've only seen some video from it's it. It's a tough one to. It's it, bright. In their defense, it's brighter. Terry's done a great job. It's brighter. It's brighter. It's, Paint does fix a lot of things. It's still cold. It's still oh, it's freezing. It yeah. was hilarious because last um, <laughs> last Saturday, <laughs> I was listening to the radio and I could hear him sniffling, and I thought he's he's the nose right the nose gets believe, running. And... I can't believe it didn't freeze in your nostrils. <laughs> like it's it's freezing there. I like it. I I like that rink. Okay, uh, from a playing in it perspective, I think. The ice is really good there mm-hmm. because it's so cold. Obviously, it's cold. Right. Um, but I think a unique thing about the rink is that there's so much room behind the nets. There's like, I think there's an extra foot or two behind. You can put a couple guys behind the nets. Yeah, like there's a lot of room to kind of um, maneuver around back there as a forward. And then as it like if you're playing D, um, you seem to have a lot more space to make a play out of the zone. So I don't, I think, you know, when you get scoring chances from the point to the, the blue lines are kind of in a little bit. So... Your scoring chances are you're a little bit closer in from there too. I I don't mind playing there at all, other than the cold. Cold sucks. <laughs> well, it's it's like a unique building because it's not necessarily a hockey or it wasn't a hockey first building. It's like a they did great. I thought they had a good crowd there last time we played on Saturday. Yeah, it was all right. I it's it like, was the best I've ever seen in Stout. Oh, well, they no they 
No, me. I'm not right, saying yeah, you. Because yeah. I, I can remember when they had the bonfires in the parking lot. and I wish the, I college yeah. hockey would just get back to that. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, they, they, they would fill that building. Here at Westman, the, too, and doing the tailgate and stuff. I mean, especially with the home record that we've had over the last couple of years. Like, there there should be a real environment, more of an environment in Division Three college hockey if people would give right. it would come to a game with their eyes open. And it, it's tough to capture it Division Three, though. It's, it's it's difficult to capture. There's very few places where you go where they're consistently will. I think it comes down to the student body. I agree. It's all student body. Yeah. Students either come or they don't. And if they come, it's awesome. If they don't come, it's empty. Well, even at the Division One level, you see it in, in certain buildings. They're just, you know, it's, it's hard to get a building full. You know, we we talked about well, that. Well, I mean, UMD has struggled this year. Yeah, to I mean, draw. they're watch a Gopher game. Yeah, I mean, that place has been a morgue forever. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, even before they made the the switch to the Big Ten, the attendance was going down. Right, in the last days of the old WCHA, and now it's you know you can you know you could throw a missile through that building, you wouldn't hit anybody. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I mean, it's just that's sort of it's it's a tough sell right now. I feel like you know college hockey is a tough sell anywhere. Division one or Division three, unless you have, you know, like they have down in Mankato where they have the number one ranked team in the country now at Division one, you know, so people are going to go to that. But if you're not, you know, winning all the time, it's tough to get people to come out. And- I just think, I don't Troy, you could, you could probably talk to it the best. I just feel there's a lack of school pride in the general student populations. Now, obviously, you go to the big schools, the football schools, the SEC and all that stuff. Those kids would go there no matter what. like they're, And they're going to those games no matter what. But the, the smaller schools and maybe non-traditional areas or whatever, school pride is what brought people to the games. Like, kids were here every week. Like, kids stayed on campus here and everywhere else through the weekends. It doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, They go home, they're either working jobs, playing video games, or doing something that's just rotting their brain for 48 <laughs> hours. And then and then they go to class. Like, oh, I think he's right, though. I think where that's a thing. School, oh, I think it definitely is like, a thing. School pride, like you don't see... I mean, I, I look around other campuses, too, but I could only speak to ours the most. Like All I see is UMD sweatshirts. Then go to UMD. Like we're UWS, like nothing rattles me more. And Troy can attest- oh, it rattles me too. Troy can attest to this. Like I've we we have a rule. Like if somebody, if you see somebody wearing another college stuff, bring me that article of clothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I I just think, and that's what I talk about. That's what I mean when I talk about school pride. Like you go to UWS, like embrace it. Like it's a great institution. It, it gives. It's. I mean, ba- the bang for your buck is unbelievable, uh, in terms of what tuition kind of costs here nowadays, uh, and like embrace it. Like, what are you going home for to sit in the basement that you sat in all high school with your buddies and talk about how cool you never were? Like, just enjoy it. Well, and it's. UWS, in my experience, is very unique in the sense that it feels very much like a, a true community. Yeah. In the sense that if you support 
people in the community, regardless if they're an athlete or an ex- foreign exchange student or whatever, they'll support you back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it is very much – you don't necessarily get that everywhere. No, and I just wish our – I mean, our teams have done really good over the course of Troy's four years, and I'm talking every team. Like men's soccer has been fantastic, right? All of a sudden tennis has started up cross-country. As I mean, I know certain sports, it's a little bit different in terms of attendance and, like, how they do it. But Polk's done a fantastic job of men's basketball. Look at our women's soccer with Allison. Uh, you know, and, you know, he, we have this new coach, TJ, in, in baseball that I think is going to do it. And softball a, with the NCAA tournament last year. Softball with Melissa. And now, obviously, last year with COVID, I, I get that. But, like, there's some really good stuff going on here. Like, yeah. Let's go, people. Like, yeah. let's let's embrace this. And because I think it makes it even more of a campus vibe and a culture on our campus more than just a culture in our athletic department. Yeah, I agree. I think I, the student body definitely has a large role in, in attending games and not just attending games, but, you know, kind of making an atmosphere. I think um we've gone to a couple basketball games or uh volleyball games and stuff like that where you kind of can get behind what's going on even though i i don't know the first thing about basketball or volleyball but if they're playing scholastica then you know i'm gonna go and because we don't like scholastica obviously right it's just that and then i think another thing is um tapping into the middle schools and the high schools like i went into a middle school here last week for the first time and uh it was four times the size of my high school back home and like things you do in juniors is you go and you go read to these kids or you go to the high school and you play volleyball against their high school volleyball team just as like a promotional thing. And, you know, they see you there, then they might come to your game or just tapping into these different kind of communities within the community, mm-hmm. I think would make a huge difference. But at the end of the day, it does come down to the student body. And I think the athletic department is doing a lot better than when I first got here at at broadcasting what's going on on campus i think like we're getting the new social media everyone's kind of tapping into that but i think as that starts to grow people will start to gain almost like a pride about the school sports more than just you know oh yeah i go to uws and mm-hmm. i think it's more of a pride thing like if i see that uh men's soccer's playing in a championship game you know i'm gonna probably go watch because you know i know some of those guys personally and you know, I want them to do well, and it's it's a fun atmosphere to go. If if right. uh, if a lot of people go, like, it's only as fun as people are going to make it, right? So, I think that's just the most important thing. I go back to that uh, volleyball match a couple of years ago when we were playing Scholastica here, and it was one of the best things I've ever seen. In between sets, I was at ad break, and I was like looking around, and Scholastica's men's hockey team was over here, mm-hmm. and you guys were on my left. And then in between sets, because that was still when they were changing benches in between sets. It was fun to watch the matriculation of the two teams. Yeah. So, like, they would go over here, and then you guys were over here. And it was, like, it was kind of, like, not quite a standoff, but it was pretty funny to watch yeah. the two hockey teams get involved. And I, I don't remember if I said anything on the air. I might have said, but there's been some repositioning of the two hockey teams because you could tell that they were, you know, like, Scholastica hockey guys came in and walked on that side, and here come the UWS hockey guys, and they're now walking behind me, and they're over <laughs> here, and it was – because there were chants and stuff, but that's what makes it fun. Right. Because that match had great atmosphere, mm-hmm. you know. And I was just enjoying it just as much what I was seeing going on between the two teams, two hockey teams, sort of posturing against one another, backing up the ladies playing volleyball, 
as I was having called in the match. It was, you yeah. know, and that's that kind of, I think, Richmond, you're tapping into. You're saying, that's what we need. We need that kind of fun yeah, atmosphere like, to happen. And I just think we're, I just think it could be what the, you know, what the athletic department has done, led by Nick Bursick, and, and changes that have been made and culture that has been built amongst all the, all the sports, but also as one under, under the athletic department. And then, you know, and seeing what our kids are doing. I mean, our athletes, you know, we're the best students in the classroom. We're, we're, we're the best alumni upon graduation. Uh, you know, we, kids are doing things that are just – student athletes are doing absolutely remarkable things. And they help build it because they've embraced it too. They've embraced the message that's been given that has been kind of basically poured down their throat for, for a long time from the second they get here. And, uh, like, we want the whole campus to be a part of it because I think we have a very unique community around here, like you said, Matt. And I, I believe that if you're here Monday through Friday, see what it's really like Friday through Sunday. Like, you know, you can, you can do everything you did back home here. Have your yeah. friends come visit. And go to the game, yeah. And then go have fun, and then what? Then you can sit in your dorm room and watch football all day Sunday, and and uh, recover, uh, you know, from whatever you did on Friday and Saturday. <laughs> so like, you know, like I just think it's a very, you know, it's a, it has a chance. It's something special right now, but it has a chance to be something very special. Our our institution and. Uh, It'll get there eventually, I think. I think everything kind of comes back around. All of a sudden, clothes you wore in the 80s are stylish now, apparently, with what some of these kids are wearing. I'm like, <laughs> I remember that. So it'll get back there is the way I look well, at I mean, it. It's, well, it's no different than you trying to change your culture in your program. Yep. You know, it's, and it, it's, takes, right. it, it takes time. It takes time. Stuff I doesn't mean, happen overnight. year six. You know, now I could say things to the guys that they understand like that where before I had to explain it to them. Yeah. There's other times where I don't have to say anything because now it's finally being taken care of. Uh, and that's, that's, the, that's the special part. Well, and the thing is, is that, and I've seen this pretty much across the board when it comes to athletes on campus, just about all of them are likable, no matter what sport they play. You know, like, just about everybody. I mean, you don't look at any team and say, God, you know, that, what a bunch of, you know, jerks, you know, men's soccer is or you know men's basketball or like everybody pretty much that's an athlete on this campus is is a likable individual for the most part i mean all the coaches recruit likable people and i think it's good because you know especially rich your guys i think a couple of your guys especially really go out of their way to make themselves as visible as possible like they go to a lot of stuff like batesy's at everything you know, Batesy's not playing hockey. He shows. I've seen him show up at tennis. I've he seen craves him. attention. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like me. That's why I picked McTavish. <laughs> but I mean, like they, you know, like he's at everything. He goes out to support. I mean, I don't know if he's ever been to a golf meet, but I've seen him at just about every other sporting event that I've been at. You know, and hopefully he's going to class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like there are certain athletes on each on each you know, team that are like that. They just go to everything. You know, I, I harken back to, on the men's soccer side, Eric Watson was famous for that. He showed up at everything. Waddy came to, you know, 
Well, how many games do you think you've been to? A lot. Like we, we actually had a rule where you had, we had school. We had our own individual school pride days. Yeah, we'd ha- we'd go to uh, every sport when we could. Like, I mean, we play it. It's tough sometimes. We play at the same time as basketball, or I think early in the season volleyball, maybe. Mm-hmm. But especially uh, before the season starts, when the when the fall a- athletes are playing, I don't have anything better to do on a Friday night at seven o'clock really you know like what else is going on that's the thing I love Superior but if I'm looking to go out and see a movie I have to go across the bridge you know if I have to if I want to go you know do something with my buddies I'm you know I'm, I'm right here anyway I might as well go hang out at school um, instead of just sitting on my couch at home and you know doing the same thing anyway so it's been kind of the unfortunate thing about the change in the UMAC schedule with yeah you know, basketball going Friday, Saturday at the same times that, that you guys go because your your team and the men's basketball team kind of developed a, a kinship yeah. there. And there was a lot of support going back and forth. And now that you play at the same time all the time, you don't get to have those opportunities anymore. Right. It's a bummer because, I mean, I smiled very widely before, like a couple of years ago when there was still Wednesday and Saturday for the UMAC because – Men's basketball, they come to your guys' games, and they were wacky. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, I just remember going to a basketball game and seeing our guys with the drum and all that stuff and chants going. I was like, oh, like this is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, men's soccer has been doing that for a long time, too. Mm-hmm. Like, when they come to an event, they usually go pretty nuts about yeah. it. You know, because they get in the chance, and, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you need, though. Like, you need, you know, I mean, men's soccer's had that reputation for a long time. When they show up in an event as a group, they're wild and wacky, and, you know, they kind of – they they go crazy and men's basketball definitely with you guys it was fun watching them go up and down the rink and I know John you enjoyed it too seeing them go basically crazy mm-hmm. and you know whenever you guys scored a goal or whenever there was a penalty or any like I mean they would yeah they were there was a kinship there and, mm-hmm. and words know, of poke they've always brought the juice brought the juice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I remember you, you you tweeted about that too a couple times. Well, we still use it once in a while. Yeah, like you know. big thanks to men's basketball for coming out and bringing the juice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you know, so he uh, coined the phrase, and you know, we still we still use it today. That's a good note for us to end up on too, because I know you guys have to get going. So, Coach McKenna, Troy McTavish, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more of via the swarm right after this. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. Final segment of Via the Swarm for this week and we had a good conversation with Coach McKenna who's leading his team into Playoff action and a team that appears more than comfortable with the they're counting us out slash underdog slash chip on the shoulder approach to the postseason. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of was the theme in the spring when they won the WIAC Conference Tournament uh, and they were, you know, crowned WIAC champions. Um, and that's, I think, Rich's preferred place to be. Um, we both know very well that he doesn't like having a target on the back. Doesn't like being ranked. He doesn't like getting votes <laughs> right. in the polls. He doesn't like being a preseason favorite for anything. He wants there to be that kind of like they're overlooking us, mm-hmm. you know, kind of mentality going on. And 
yeah, I mean, in the past, this team is that's when they played their best. So right, um, right now, you know, they're the five seed, which means that yeah, there's going to be a lot of people who are saying, ah, superior yep. formality. You know, we'll just move right through them. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a good place to be, and it's probably the right motivating tool right now. Um, you know, because they did have a bit of a rough run to the end of the year. Maybe they that can, you know, kind of inspire them to play well this weekend. Yeah, I I, I hope so. And at, you know, at the end of the day. They've they've beaten every team in the conference this year, yeah. So they have every reason to think that they they're stepping on the ice in every contest, going. We can win the game, yeah. You know we're capable, yeah, yeah. So hopefully they they understand all that and it all carries over and we have another, another fun playoff run. Yeah. Speaking of that playoff run, it'll open uh, as we record this on a Thursday morning, uh, tomorrow Friday against UW Stout. Game one of a two-game Wyatt Conference tournament series at the Finetti Community Center in uh, Menominee, opening face-off for both nights, both Friday and Saturday at 7 p.m., pregame with John Garver, my buddy over here to the left. 6.30 p.m., both nights on 91.3 FM. Um, and then uh, if it is not decided after two games, we get the dreaded minigame, Mr. Garver. And, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, you're already sighing over not there. Not even bringing it up until – if and when we get to that point. Okay, yeah. For those of you who do not know about the minigame, we're the minigame, not going to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> if you want to find out more about the minigame, <laughs> listen to game two if it hasn't been decided with John Garvey. I'll go into all the details. The minigame. I, I just, you know what, to me, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. I, I just, I've never, no other sport decides anything that way. And nope. I don't understand. No other level of hockey decides anything that way. It's no. not even that, that sport. Even with it his own sport, nobody else uses this except for Division Three. So I don't know. I mean, but is, is it widespread in Division Three? Like, do do all the conferences do it, or is it just the WAC? No, there's a couple out there that still use the mini. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's to me, it just seems just so bizarre. It is. To do it that way. Yep, but, it is. But that's what will happen. It will be two games, and like I said, if they can't decide it after two, it will be a mini game. And we'll just leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Okay. Women's hockey, meanwhile, will close out the regular season this weekend. They'll be taking on uh, Northland College. Final two regular season home games for uh, Coach Dan Laughlin and company. Uh, hopefully their legs will be fully returned. Should be. Yeah, should be. They you would like be. to think so? Yeah. Um, but they're taking on the Lumberjills over at Westman Arena on Friday and Saturday, the 18th and 19th. Opening face-off on Friday is at 2 p.m. at Westman, while on Saturday it's at 7 p.m. No, you got that backwards. Is that backwards? Yes. I thought it was 7 p.m. Oh. 7 o'clock Friday, 2 o'clock Saturday. Oh, sorry. Come on, Matt. Oh, I know. Sorry about that. <laughs> My bad, everyone. <laughs> 7 p.m. on Friday, 2 p.m. on Saturday. There you have it. Okay, but that'll be then the regular season, and then they'll go into the wide conference mm-hmm. That much I do know. Yes. So that's how they will close it out. Uh, actually, basketball also closing out the regular season this weekend, so we got three teams that are closing it out. For the uh, winter season here, at least the regular season portion of it, this coming weekend. Uh, women's basketball is at Minnesota Morris on Friday, and they'll be at Crown on Saturday. Uh, opening tip on Friday the 19th from Jim Grimmel's court in Morris will take place at 5.30 p.m., while opening tip on Saturday from the Wild Athletic Center in bon- St. Bonifacius against Crown will take place at 3 p.m. on Saturday. Men's basketball, same boat. They just play right after the women, so it'll be... At a 7.15 opening tip time down at Grim Grimmel's Court against Minnesota Morris on Friday, while the opening tip against Crown will be a 4.45 opening tip from the Wild Athletic Center against Crown on Saturday in St. Bonifacius. Weird time slots. I, I People have asked me why are we on the quarter hour. I don't know. That <laughs> I mean, it's something the UMAC went to a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah. 
in an effort to kind of speed things up. And it still hasn't really worked out. I don't know because yeah. I, I mean, it, it it's not scheduling that second game 15 minutes earlier than you normally would doesn't do anything to speed up the first game. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, so it's it's always been a mystery to me why they were doing it that way, but so yeah, be it. Exactly, because it's. I mean, even if those that first game goes quickly, you're almost always starting at least 10 minutes after that 4:45 time. Yep. So it's just it's like. Just go two yeah, hours. Just go two hours. Yeah, I, I just I don't understand it. But anyway, that's how they schedule it. Uh, I've had, like I said, people ask me about that. Why is it on the quarter hour, not just the straight up hour? Mm-hmm. And I can't really answer that because I don't know. But anyway, that's what's coming up, and then they'll both go off in the, into the UMAC conference tournament uh, the following week. So that's what's coming up this weekend for the basketball teams. Meanwhile, uh, men's and women's indoor track and field this week. Friday, tomorrow, they're at the Mark Miller Invitational, hosted by Minnesota State at Myers Field House in Mankato at 3 p.m. Things get underway down mm-hmm. in Mankato. Nice long trip for it Glenn is. Drexler and Company. It's a good haul. Yep. What, about four hours, I guess? Three yeah, and a half, four, roughly. Something like that. Yep. It's a one-day event, so mm-hmm. uh, they'll be back home after that, I think, but a uh, long day. Mm-hmm. That's a long day. Yeah, it is. So they'll have a, a long one. And meanwhile, men's and women's tennis close out what's coming up this week. Both teams on the road down to Winona. They'll be taking on uh, St. Mary's and Loris on the 18th and 19th. And... Both those matches start at 6 p.m. and 12 p.m. So 6 p.m. on Friday, 12 p.m. on Saturday. 12 noon, I guess, would be the uh, actual term that you would use. But that's what's coming up as far as uh, tennis goes. Hopefully the women can get on the winning side of things here a little bit. They've mm-hmm. uh, had a couple of tough losses here in the last week. And hopefully the men also will pick up a win somewhere in there. I don't know what St. Mary's and Loris, what they look like as far as tennis goes. but uh, Yeah, I've, I'd be lying if I said I did any research to see how how well-positioned those those schools are in tennis. So Okay, yeah, yeah. I I'm honestly kind of flying blind there, but mm-hmm. uh, hopefully they'll come back with some good results, and uh, we'll have more to talk about. It's got to turn around, right? Well, you'd like to at think this so, point in the calendar, it? something's got to got to bounce our way, right? I just, yeah, I'd like to see us winning some games. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. that's what I'm yeah, saying. Like, I'd like to see some some W's in the uh, in the in the win loss column here coming up. So, yep, um, yeah. I mean, other than that, uh, I was going to ask you before we go, any Super Bowl thoughts? I know you and I didn't see it, but uh, not a one. Okay. <laughs> Normally we would say something, but uh, like since we were both on the I, air, yeah. I mean, I I I saw none of it live. Um, I listened to a few seconds of the final possession for Cincinnati in the truck when I was driving home from the rink. Okay. Um, I didn't watch any highlights. I I literally saw none of it. <laughs> I only saw the video of Joe Burrow going around introducing himself to all the Rams players, which was funny. In the middle of the game, but he was. I, yeah, I, I didn't even see that. <laughs> that that I mean, was. I, awesome. I literally saw no part of this. That's really why I brought this up because I wanted to see if you saw that clip. Yeah, I did so. not. I oh, did not. That's so a bummer. I, yeah, I've. It's pretty cool. Check it out. It's on Twitter somewhere. I'll sure. find it. Yeah, there you I'll go. I'll find it. But no, no thoughts in the Super Bowl at all. I know that's just a random. Uh, now for something completely different moment from uh, Monty Python, but <laughs> uh, I just wanted to see what, if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, so. I have nothing. Or sorry. the Olympics. I've seen almost none of the Olympics. You know, it's right. Yeah, it's been know, a weird. It's been. You know, with such as life with a toddler. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be honest, we get him down at night and I'm not thinking about hanging out and watching TV unless it's a chance to watch John Schuster curl. I watched that last night. Yep. And, and uh, he, he came with a big shot yep. against uh, Denmark. Unfortunately, so they, they, as we do this on a Thursday, they lost this morning. Did they? They okay. lost to Great Britain. So they're they're going to be in the, uh, bronze the, bron- match. the bronze medal match against Canada. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, unless it's an opportunity to watch him curl, I really haven't even been able to take in much of the Olympics. And that crushes me because I, 
I enjoy the Olympics. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, and especially... Well, and there's some local flavor, too. There is. Yeah. It, but especially the Winter Olympics, because you, you have hockey in there, and I, I like watching bobsled and luge and, you know, curling and, and all of this. Well, there, and there's and so I've much... I've seen almost none of it this Minnesota, time. Wisconsin representation in those sports, yep. that it almost is like... You're cheering for like the home team, right? You know, so, so yeah. Fortunately, no, I I haven't had a chance to watch a whole lot of that either. I haven't either. I haven't either. I will say this: I feel bad for Michaela Schifrin. Mm-hmm. She's had a rough run of luck here. She had a rough games. Yeah, you know, she's, she's, she's had uh, a rough Olympic games here. Yeah, she's had a rough go, and uh, um, you know, she's not a local, but, right? Um, you know, it's it's too bad when you have one of the world's very best, and that happens in consecutive races, although. It sounds like she's rebounded a little bit here, and she's. But that's that's sports. Yeah, that is sports. You know, at yeah. the end of the day, that's that's what sports is, and right. that's why you play. Right. Yep. You know, yep. that's why you compete because. Yep. Yep. Things like that happen, and and you never know. Right. Exactly. It's, it's wonderful so. theater. It is. It is. So yeah, we will have a maybe an Olympic update next time around. Yeah, maybe you know, we should. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll get more into it and see who's uh, doing what. I think the last medal count Norway was the top. I think they were number one. Yeah. I think the U.S. was three or four. Um, Germany was in the top three, and I can't remember who the other one was. Russia, I think the Russia, Russia. the Russia the Olympic Committee. Uh, yeah, the ROC, the Russian Olympic Committee, which I still don't <laughs> quite understand, but okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll we'll just take it as it goes. Yes, you can't compete as Russia because well, of that's sanctions for but, doping stuff, but and, you can yeah. still compete. Yeah, exactly. That's well, that's for the doping yeah. violations, but yeah, the, the Russian team has a different name every Olympics, so I can't yep. keep. I can't the keep ROC. Up. Yep. So. Anyway, so that's uh, your Olympic update. That's the <laughs> very vague and pathetic Olympic update at that. But. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that that is the the week that was and the week that will be here in the world of, of Yellow Jacket sports. With our engineer Elliot Sweary, the Big Sound Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and thank you for listening to Eye of the Swarm. Mm-hmm.